This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. Of God's faithfulness, the psalmist is reassured that the only thing in store for God's enemies is destruction. By remembering God's faithfulness in the past, the psalmist is now comforted that he need not worry that they're getting away with something. Sharp arrows and burning coals, both commonly used as symbols of God's vengeance, are what's in store for those who afflict God's people. So how about you? Can God handle your enemies? Or maybe more importantly, will He handle your enemies? Well, Grant, since I have a Bible in my hands and I'm listening to a sermon, I'm going to assume the answer is yes. Which brings up the the question, then, why do we forget about Him so quickly when things go sideways? A very beautiful and wise woman I know. I'll let you figure out who I'm talking about. Likes to call this situational atheism. Situational atheism. It's like we're praising God for a beautiful morning. We're just in awe of His power and sovereignty and beauty and creation. We're, we're just into that worship song you know, on the radio that we love. We're jamming. And boom, something happens and God ceases to exist. The only thing we know to be true is, is I need to handle this right now because if I don't, nobody will. Situational atheism. In an instance, we act as if God doesn't exist and survival of the fittest becomes the only rational option. The only solution that's available. But the psalmist says that God's past deliverance assures him of his enemy's destruction. That's not all God's past work does. Look at verses 5 through 7. And as I read this, these verses, I want you to ask yourself a very important question. The question I want you to ask is something you should always ask of the Bible. And that question is, what the heck does this have to do with anything? I want you to ask that question as we read this. Look at verses 5 through 7. He says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, to give you a little context, Meshech and Kedar are, are poetic ways of, they're places that are about as far away from Jerusalem as you can get and still be in Israel. Meaning the psalmist is, is describing how distant he feels from God. But he didn't just choose these two cities because of their geographical locations. No, not only are they far away from Jerusalem, but Ezekiel tells us that Meshech was known for human trafficking and slavery. And Kedar was the first son of Ishmael, meaning this city Kedar is like one of the capital cities of, of Israel's enemies. So how in the world does the psalmist go from remembering God's past faithfulness and how that reminds him that God will take care of his enemies to my life sucks? How does he get there? What in the world does verses 5 through 7 have to do with verses 1 through 4. 
Well, the psalmist is telling us that not only does God's past deliverance assure us of our enemy's defeat, but it also grows in us a greater desire to be with him. God's past deliverance also grows in us a greater desire to be with him. Remember what these psalms of ascent are about, how they work. This psalmist is embarking on a trip to Jerusalem where God resides. He's going to be with God. So as he remembers what God has done and what God will do, he's reminded about how bad he wants to be there with his God instead of where he is. When he remembers God's past faithfulness to deliver him, he looks around at where he lives and he wants more than ever to be in Jerusalem where his God is. So again, how about you? Does this world ever grow your desire to be with God? I mean, look at verses 6 and 7 again. Do you ever feel like you live among people who hate peace? It's like our entire culture is on a hair trigger. I mean, how far do you have to look before you hear someone screaming or shouting or shooting or suing? It's like they're on a hair trigger and it doesn't take much to set someone off. Which brings me to the last thing in this passage I want you to see. Did you notice what changed for the psalmist? Did you notice the shift in his circumstances? It's a trick question. I hope you didn't because there was none. Meaning, did you notice how even after God's past deliverance assured him of his enemy's future defeat, he points out how he still resides among people who hate peace? Which begs the question, then what good is Psalm 120 if we're not rescued out of the world? What good is remembering God's past work if he doesn't change anything now? If we still live among people who hate peace... Well, there's a pattern that we see in Scripture. Before this psalm was written, long before, when God's people were in trouble, they spoke about how God faithfully delivered Noah from the flood. And then after Noah, when God's people were in trouble, they looked back and they talked about how God delivered them from Egypt and from the Red Sea. And then after that, when God's people were in trouble, they looked back at how God had delivered them from their enemies through David. The Bible is full of stories of looking back, looking back, looking back at God's deliverance. But every time his people remembered how God had worked somehow in the past, it was always for a specific reason. It was always to give them courage to endure the present. It was always to remind them that he will deliver them again. So you can endure the present. And brothers and sisters, ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed except, except the past work that we remember. See, we've moved on from Noah and Moses and David because they were just shadows. 
of how God was going to deliver His people. Through the ark, God delivered Noah from the devastation of of God's wrath. But through Jesus Christ, God delivers anyone who believes from His wrath. Through Moses, God delivered His people from the bondage and oppression of their slavery. But through Jesus Christ, God delivers us from our bondage and slavery to sin. Through David, God delivered His people from their overwhelming, blasphemous enemy, deadly enemy. But through Jesus Christ, God delivered us from our worst enemy. The enemies whose whose actual name is liar. In other words, just like God's people have done for ages and ages and ages, since the beginning of time, remembering the faithfulness that God displayed through Jesus Christ to deliver us, not only assures us of our enemy's defeat and grows in us a desire to be with him, but it also fortifies us against today's distress. Remembering how God delivered us through Jesus Christ It fortifies us against today's distress. Just like this psalmist, even though our circumstances haven't changed, when we cry out to God for whatever reason and our circumstances don't change, because our God has proven once and for all that He is faithful to deliver us, we can have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. It's just like Paul said in Romans. If He's given us His Son, what will He not give us? In other words, to put all of this more simply, God's past work is still the answer for today's trouble. God's past work is still the answer for today's trouble. So I ask you then, what are today's troubles for you? Maybe you're here this morning, today's troubles for you is just simply your sin. You know something's wrong. You know something's broken inside of you. You you can't seem how to figure out how, how not to make a mess out of your things. My friend, please listen to me when I tell you that God's past work in Jesus Christ is not only still the answer, but it's the only answer to your trouble today. Through Jesus Christ, God paid the penalty, the the cost for that brokenness that you can feel inside. And listen, because this is what the world always gets wrong. Because He did that through Jesus Christ, God doesn't want you to fix things or clean yourself up before you go to Him. No, in fact, you are in a room of people who will tell you we can't. That's the problem. No, all God wants you to do is simply believe that you need Jesus Christ to do that for you. And there is your answer for today's trouble. Done. Sin is forgiven. God's happy to see you. And both of you can't wait to see each other. God's past work is still the answer for today's troubles. But maybe today's troubles for you are are fear and doubt. Something in your life has got anxiety just raging inside of you. 
God's past work is still the answer for today's troubles. In light of God's past work through Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews says, do not fear. He says, because God is always with you in Christ, what can man do to you? Jesus Christ is still the answer for today's troubles. But maybe today's troubles for you are are physical in nature, physical problems, sickness, something like that. Brother or sister, God's past work is still the answer for today's trouble. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we carry this treasure of Christ's salvation around in fragile, broken jars of clay for a reason. We're dying, we're being broken physically by by this life for a reason. He said, we're always carrying around the death of Jesus so that the life of him can be seen in us. Meaning, remember God's past work in Jesus Christ. Remember what he has done for you. And as our bodies decay and break down and, and don't work anymore, the light of the hope of life that we carry shines all the brighter. But maybe your troubles today aren't just one thing. You know, Shannon and I have been talking for a while about starting a, a club. We have. We've talked about vests and secret handshakes and everything. We're thinking of calling this club the whatever club. Because sometimes it feels like when something else goes wrong, when another thing goes wrong, we're at the point where we're just like, whatever. Maybe that's you this morning. You're being grieved by various trials, the Bible would call it. It's the box marked all of the above when you're asked what the problem is. Maybe it's your kids walking away from the Lord. Maybe it's employment or financial stuff. Or maybe it's like this psalmist, someone's lying about you behind your back. Whatever it is, whatever the problem is, brother or sister, God's past work is still the answer for your trouble. Peter said in the first chapter of his first letter that because of what God has done through Jesus Christ, these various trials only serve to reveal the tested genuineness of the faith that He's given us. Brothers and sisters, we must fight against the urge to be situational atheists. These these times when, when life doesn't go right, when the rug gets pulled out from under us, when it seems like everything is falling apart or just one thing is falling apart. Those are the moments when we must cry out to God and remember how He has delivered us. Not in some little way, like we found a a parking spot at the grocery store. That's lame compared to Him saving us. And we remember how He has saved us in Jesus Christ. And the harder things get, the brighter that light shines. Because God's past work is still the answer to today's troubles. The night is dark, but we are not forsaken. For by our side, the Savior, He will stay. We labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in our need, His power is displayed.
To this we hold. My shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and we shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Stand with me, please, and let's make that our response to our God.